Morning! Hey! It's cold and wet outside. It's, yeah, it's kind of all right here, to be honest. But I'm still not going out in it. Yep. <laughs> Instead, we'll stay indoors and talk about Star Wars. Yeah! We saw Star Wars this week, or I did. When did you see it? I saw it on premiere day. Which was what? Was, uh, it, was that this week? No, it was last week because I missed an episode, didn't I? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, what, the 13th, uh, like Wednesday mm-hmm. last week. Well, I've seen it now. We can talk intelligently about it, quote-unquote. Yeah, that's... Of course, when you talk about Star Wars, at some yeah. point you start to question, like, how intelligent is it possible to talk about this? Is there any inherent value in any human alive talking about this in <laughs> any way? <laughs> Yeah, but at least this film feels like an intelligent sort of thing to talk about more than, say, Force Awakens did. And we all talked about that. Yeah. And this is this illuminates many interesting things about how these films are made because this was much different than I thought it would be. And it's, yes. it's exposed uh, how this is... I mean, it's just Disney, but not all Disney is the same. And Disney yeah, Star no. Wars is very different from Disney Marvel. <laughs> yeah, and it's... All, mind you, although I haven't seen it yet, but I understand that Thor Ragnarok is, an, is also a big departure from the mold. And that's what, that's what this is. This is a film that's acknowledging the mold and dancing around the periphery of it, but at the same time very much defying it. And I'm not convinced it's intentional by a committee. It feels like they... no. No, this is no, this is a yeah. director situation. Yeah, this is uh, strangely enough. All the Star Wars films that we've gotten might be like more director-driven and expressing individual style and uh, storytelling than like we expected. Because all the Marvel films have had a very clear committee direction to them. A feel, a very uniform feel, like. Like Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, they're very similar in in well, a way that's say dull. that we, we always we always compare the Marvel films to like a big, 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 big budget TV show, and I think yes. one of the reasons that we're compelled to do that is that a TV show has a showrunner whose job it is to make sure that two episodes together at least appear to be of the same TV series, and. That's what's happened with the Marvel films, as I say, apart from apparently the latest Thor film, which I haven't seen yet, but having no, seen... I, I haven't seen it either, because uh, <laughs> I think it was when I watched Doctor Strange, I felt like it's, mm. it's not worthwhile keeping to watch this. This is... Uh... No, see, this is, what, this is exactly what happened to me, but now I've seen two other Taika Waititi films, and it's like, basically, there's absolutely no way that this director could make a Marvel film in the mold of Marvel films. Mm. And everyone who's seen the film tells me, no, this is what we've been trying to tell you. He didn't. Um, He is a comedy filmmaker who has a very, very original style and feel to his films. Um, You must have seen What We Do in the Shadows. I feel like you'd have seen that. No. Oh, okay. Well, that's worth a look. And then Hunt for the Wilder People is an absolutely great film. Well worth a look. And apparently Thor Ragnarok is is done in that style and it's just well i can't really describe it except to say like you know basically thor ragnarok is that the right name for it yeah is is what would have happened if we'd got edgar wright's ant-man without it without them going oh no this is going to off brand let's change it which is it which is what it appears they did this is this is almost an apology for that they've got someone in who's more weird than edgar wright is by a long way because edgar wright's like uniqueness has always been a sort of tongue-in-cheek almost like parody of movie making and movie tropes so at least what he would have come up with might have looked like a marvel film but it would have been tongue-in-cheek whereas taika watiti just does something else entirely and has apparently been given total reign over this film so thor ragnarok might as well be like a, a like a, a you know, a comedian on TV doing a parody of a Marvel film or something. It's very different, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah. But then again, like, let's not keep talking about the thing we haven't seen. Good point. <laughs> let's talk about the thing we have seen. Yes. So, I 
think there's several foundational like structural issues not just with like the film itself star wars episode 8 the last jedi more like the way they're being made and i think this revealed the problem with how disney are making these which is they're making them too fast i looked at the release schedules for the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy they all came out once every three years and they're Disney are trying to make these films a year faster than that. And this is at the same time by having all of these be made by different people. And this movie revealed that there's no communication between these people at all. They're put in like... Uh, they're, they're shoved into a conference room like, oh, writer-director man, create Star Wars Episode Eight, the sequel to the last one. And I guess there was a tweet or something where uh, Ryan Johnson said that, yeah, uh, he got no direction, no plan whatsoever for what the film was supposed to be or what's supposed to happen in the next one. And it's very obvious that that's the case. And I feel like the audience shouldn't be blamed for expecting something different than this. And I've seen many bizarre explanations for like why is the audience uh, not uh, acknowledge uh, like uh, enjoying this as much as uh, expected or whatever and having problems with it. And I've seen explanations like oh it's video games they set up wrong expectations for how a movie should end. And it's like no 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 I think it's just all film series and trilogies in general. Mm-hmm are based on something and are planned out in a different way, like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or whatever. Yeah. Or even the Star Wars prequels. There's a certain feeling of, like, uniformness to the writing or deliberate, like, this is a big story that's just been shopped into three and it is going somewhere inevitable in the end. And this feels... Because they said that this is a trilogy... You expect this to be the middle part, but it doesn't feel like it. This feels like part two of an indefinite series of films that could be however many entries it wants to be. Yes, and and I also thought that it kind of felt like if this was a trilogy, to me it felt like part two and three. Yeah. Um, Basically, at the end of this film, I don't really need to see anymore. I'm going to see more, but I'm not like I was at the end of Force Awakens going like, Oh, can't, can't believe I have to wait two years for the next one. I'm like, no, great, I've had a good film. <laughs> yeah, uh, in the last one, I guess, again, what made it feel like, oh, obviously they know what's going to happen in the next film, was it just set it up, it ended on a cliffhanger. It it ended with so many, so many questions about the world and the characters and backgrounds and everything. It was so obviously set up to, like, okay, we're going to... Uh, further all this in the next episode and we all expected it would have a uniform style where it's like okay this yeah. is, are these all gonna feel like jj abrams films no only the first movie feels like a jj abrams film this, this is this is the thing i think it's <laughs> i think that a lot of the the whiplash um with uh, the fact that some people have been and it's not you know it's not like a universally disliked film or something but for the record i loved it um but there is a backlash with some fans and i think part of it is that yes it's it's remarkably different from the previous film but i think the 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 whiplash there is because the identity of the previous film basically put all of its eggs in the single basket of the trilogy feeling like that film It, it 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 said right we've written a story one story forget about the previous star wars trilogy which was like the first film was a complete thing and then the second film you know set up for a sequel but essentially they were three separate films never mind that we've written one story here is part one soon you'll have part two then you'll have part three and then you'll know the story and we were watching it going like well okay that's a lot of years to to wait to see one story but i guess at the end of it we'll be satisfied this film made it clear that not only is that not what we're getting it's not ever what we were getting. I don't know about you, but I've become extremely disillusioned with The Force Awakens as a result of watching this film, purely because its identity as like the setup um, for a later payoff has been 
essentially debunked. Now, I'm trying not to... I'm going to try and avoid spoilers because we're so close to it, you know, but... It, it, if, I feel if it, even this sort of discussion is a spoiler, stop listening to us now. Yeah, I mean, I feel we'll have moderate spoilers because I want mm. to actually talk about the basic premise and structure mm. of Last Jedi. Not like talk about ex- really specific stuff, but I feel like it it really hampered my ability to say anything intelligent about the film if I want yeah. have to dance around. Like yeah, the basic um, setup of it. <laughs> so, so I hope I haven't, you know, ruined anyone's expectations by saying that some of your expectations will not be met. Um, yeah, and, and in some ways, I feel like oh, it's good that they twisted expectations, but in but I totally understand why. Yeah, uh, many people might have gone out of this like this is not what I expected because the last film was was setting up something different it's especially if you approached it like this is a series of films i have watched a million series of films Mm. take any franchise and it's always like a very the first film sets up style tone everything and this is just not that (laughs) well this is why i uh, this is one of the reasons i found it so exciting because i'm so sick of of these films that that are like you know gleefully deliberately follow a formula and you know yeah. exactly what's going to happen to you as you go in and you can predict everything that you can't predict anything that's going to happen in this film like even down to like the tone you can't predict it even when you've kind of heard stuff about it um it was it, it just surprised me every couple of minutes with something and i loved that so much and it makes me wonder if this is the breaking of the cycle and the which you know is one of the themes of the film but in terms of the franchise samey series maybe we're finally going to move on to the next the next thing and maybe the next thing is going to be letting directors you know come up with their own ideas again that yep. being said the third film is going to be made by jj abrams so, <laughs> so maybe that'll set everything back again yeah after this film that feels like such a mistake mm. well one of the reasons it feels like a mistake to me is that i'm I haven't seen Super 8, and so I'm aware that there's there's holes in my experience of J.J. Abrams. But what I have seen of him, he is a setup man and not a payoff man. And okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm unfairly painting him with the lost brush. You know, one thing that he did, but it's a very famous thing that he did. And it, I, with, I I don't know about you, but I'm now finally coming to the realization that that's what he did again with Force Awakens. He wrote a series of tantalizing questions made us all believe that he knew the answers to them and now i know a little bit about how star wars is run and i know they have this this story team who make sure that things you know kind of go in a in a roughly correct direction and film series in you wouldn't you wouldn't set up star wars the new trilogy the all important brand thing without um a team who just make sure it all runs smoothly and for the fact that we've not for, for the fact that this new film clearly says we didn't have answers to those questions or if we did we're making them up now in other words jj abrams didn't leave us a plan for this trilogy and we're just supposed to respond we've got the information you've got and that's more or less it that tells me that he did he just once again <laughs> like with lost wrote some tantalizing questions that felt like they had answers but didn't and that makes me think, who asked for him back? He made it. I loved Force Awakens, and maybe it was a good way to start off the series. But is he? Can he? Does he have? What I'm saying is, does he have an equivalent set of tricks in his tool bag for ending stories as he does for beginning them? I haven't seen evidence of that. Uh, yeah, I've seen Super Eight, and the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like either he should have done all three. Yeah, but here. The second film is so different in just the fundamental way of how people talk, general yeah. feel and mood of just every scene where it's like just a shot of a person existing in a scene. Just that feels different than Force Awakens because this is not as vivid and saturated in its feeling. It it doesn't have that, uh, I guess, a, a romantic feel to it in the same way uh, that... Yeah. Uh, doesn't it isn't exploding with energy in the same way and yeah. 
and it's definitely just breaking it it intentionally it, it feels like ryan johnson just read and saw all the fan speculation of what like Edward would be going and intentionally twisted everything in a different way and it's it's yeah. just this is don't don't get JJ Abrams back. <laughs> what is he gonna yeah. do with this? This is not his story anymore. <laughs> no, no, that's right, exactly. I'm worried that he's gonna. I'm worried that he's gonna essentially go like contradict this film to put in answers that are you know that we've already guessed from the first film when we were all speculating about what the answers might be. That's my concern because there's okay. So I'm not gonna say what it is if anyone's still listening who doesn't want to know, but. There's one big question that we've all been wondering about from Force Awakens that this film essentially tells you was a red herring, basically. And um and it doesn't and it's not like, ah, we got you as red herring. Like it's it's good. But I'm worried that it, it's done with just enough wiggle room that J someone like JJ Abrams could come back in and go, mm, that that wasn't true. Here's the answer. It's what you thought all along. And we'll go, oh, God, really? And the nerds will go, hooray! We, you're not, not the nerds, that's not... But you know what I mean? The, the petition-signing Star Wars fan. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the people who thought that the last film was actually setting up how all these films would be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's, yeah. A, it's a shame that there was... I, I, uh, by the way, did you like it? We'll get to this. I I don't okay. want to mention like I liked that it was different, but yeah. this is a very common reaction that everyone it's totally understandable. Where it's like first hour kind of boring, and then <laughs> the, the second hour and a half it got a lot more entertaining. And yeah, and I describe I I I tweeted and described the first hour as. Rogue One with jokes um, because that's the sort of film I thought I was watching. I thought I was watching a, a fairly serious fairly rote Star Wars film. I actually yeah. kind of like this because it, it it's part of, to me, it was part of the the surprise was that it fooled me for so long into thinking it was going to be a normal Star Wars film. Then it just started doing really cool stuff every couple of minutes and it just got cooler and cooler and cooler and that happened after that first hour, I feel. Yeah, what hit me in the first 10 minutes or so was that the the last film was very thin on details, mm -hmm. on, like, what is this world like, for example. Yeah. And that's one of the basic things, like, okay, so surely they'll expand on the details here. Instead, it was, here's a symbolic representation of good fighting a symbolic representation of bad that... <laughs> are to totally devoid, not existing in relationship to anything. And it's like, it's, they're just fighting in space, but I don't give a shit. Establish this world more, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I felt right at the start of the film. It felt like right. it went straight to battle without yep. establishing, like, but, but why? Why are they fighting at all? And <laughs> it, it felt very thin, but it, it's... We'll get to my problems with this. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, maybe I should just start complaining about the main structure of the film, uh, the main premise of it immediately. I mean, why not? So why not? Why not? Yeah. So I feel like because these films are made so fast, I feel like it's obvious that this is kind of slapped together. It's there. It's a few drafts from being finished. So there's huge holes and leaps of logic everywhere that's very easy to make hours-long videos complaining about the film. And this is... I feel like this is... This is not because they're lazy. It's just the time. It's not... It's... Give them a year more to make these and we'll have finished scripts. Because, for example, this movie wants to be a chase movie and it invents reasons for it and the whole chase the reason for everyone to be in the same place it's just i'm calling bullshit on all of it <laughs> 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 it's 
I mean, it's right. I mean, it's the most boring chase ever <laughs> because of it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's for an, the first it's an time, oddly, it's an oddly Star Trek y sort of chase, isn't it? And I yeah. mean, 90s TV Star Trek. It's like, oh, they're pursuing us. We've got. We've got days. Let's go to have a meeting in a in a room. Yeah, and it, so sort of for the first time ever, they have uh, technology to track people through hyperspace. It's mm. only to support the premise of this film, and it's like okay, so th- that technology has been existed before, but uh, was it Rose who had heard of it, or was it Finn who knew about the technology conveniently so they could have the heist film? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, absolutely everyone of the First Order decides to partake in this chase. So <laughs> Snoke, uh, his flagship shows up there, and they have tons of Star Destroyers there. And they don't have anything else to do with their day. <laughs> they're all there because they're arch enemy, the rebels. And these are all the rebels that's left. They're all there. Everyone's there in space, in the middle of nowhere, in this slow-speed chase where these gigantic ships, they probably have hundreds of TIE fighters on them. They've decided to not use them. They decided to take a day off and idly (laughs) have maybe a couple of cannons shoot at the rebel ship shields. Until well, there's... presumably, presumably, <laughs> the the thinking behind that is that you know, there's that one bit, isn't there, where they go like, "What a single fighter versus a great big ship." I imagine they're going, "Ah, we can't really break through big ships with little ships. Let's just not." <laughs> it just feels like I'm supposed to take at face value their bullshit reasons for it. I do know. Yeah, I never <laughs> thought of it at the time, but we did start all of Star Wars with a star destroyer. Shooting lasers at a little ship, didn't we? So I suppose they yep. could have at least done that a lot more. Yeah, and like, why did everyone have to be there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even matter that Snoke is there. He could have been somewhere else. <laughs> mm. Him and Kylo Ren. I guess Kylo Ren had to be there so he could shoot at the ship and then change his mind and go back. But why? It's. <laughs> Just the geography of this. All of this feels like stuff you'd realize is like wrong and then re-architect the chase to maybe have the first battle of the film. Maybe have both of the ships there, the Star Destroyer and the Rebel ship, be like half destroyed. Their hyperdrives are Mm. broken and they're in a chase around the system or something and they have to go to a local planet and get help or something. And not, and then you have the Jedi's like Kylo Ren, Snoke, and uh, such. Like their story is in a different part of space. Like, did it, why? Did... <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, oh, I feel like it's all this stuff feels like nitpicky because when you're watching the film, it's you can just have it wash over you. But I don't feel it's unreasonable to expect better from a story mm-hmm. than this. Well, it's not unreasonable, although my position on it is that these are valid um, complaints or questions, but I'm more comfortable making them about Star Trek, Mm. where it's always been, the the focus has always been on, like, this makes sense, whereas Star Wars is just magic anyway, so I, I mind a lot less things like that. Yeah, but I feel like... Because my relationship with Star Wars changed, I guess, through Star Wars games. Mm. Where well, the, yeah, yeah, because well, through- this is, see, I've, I, I think a lot. I think it's this, a lot of people. The same thing happened, um, and for some people, it was like other bits of the EU, you know, books yeah. and so on. So yeah, not, and, and when we say EU, we mean extended universe, not the European Union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Star Wars, Star Wars is elected to leave the EU. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we've, we've seen how well that's gone <laughs> well I think there's a certain I think we've been conditioned to me the timeline of events went Star Wars was like um, adventure serials and had a lot of contrivances and it was kind of fine and nobody minded because that was how things were then Star Trek The Next Generation and that the 90s TV Star Trek kind of changed our minds about what science fiction was 
but in like popular science fiction was so i mean books have always been doing this to an extent but like now it was all about you can have a fact file that you can buy and have folders full of it and look up how dilithium crystals work and exactly what the physics are so that when they get it wrong you can point it out and laugh at them and so on and then star star wars is back now and we're still in that mode so when someone i've seen a couple of complaints about this film that go along the lines of well the force can't do that or they've never established the force can work like that before um, and i'm going well, and no they haven't but every film always changes what the force can do depending on what that film needs yeah and my problem isn't what they do with a force in this yeah my problem with what they did with that is something different but i'm just talking about the the, the, the first hour of the film that sets up a chase that's so boring <laughs> god i didn't even i didn't even notice that because i was i was kind of i, yeah, it's, I it's guess such, maybe it's... because i'm in star trek mode watching a lot of tng i was yep. going like they they tell you how much fuel they've got left and it's quite a long time but i was still able to go like oh no that's not long because they're in space um but one of the one of the one of the specific star trekky questions that i've that, or complaints that i've heard which is actually fair enough pertains to like the first it's not a spoiler and it pertains to the first couple of moments of the film um someone uh, is required to drop bombs and they're required to drop them from space onto something else and it's basically shown that if you essentially let go of them they'll fall and obviously that's wrong and I just happen not to mind, and yeah. some people do. Yeah, I didn't mind that either. But, you know, an alternative solution to this is, if Ryan Johnson had played uh, 90s space combat simulators, like <laughs> the Star Wars uh, you know, like TIE Fighter or the Free Space games, you would have yeah. known, or Wing Commander, you would have known that the bombers in space shoot uh, slow-moving torpedoes, and the role <laughs> of fighters and uh, cannons on ships is to shoot down the torpedoes before they hit. That's why the bombers need to get close, because then there's not enough time for fighters to destroy the torpedoes before they hit the ships. That's why you, I, I heard people say that, oh, why don't the, the rebel the capital ship yet fire a torpedo at the Star Destroyer? That's like, no, but yeah, then, then the cannons on the Star Destroyer can just shoot down the torpedo, and that doesn't work, so... <gasps> Nerd! Yeah, but instead they decided to have the bomber ship drop bombs downwards. But they had at least the X-Wing sh destroy all the cannons on the Star Destroyer first, so if they'd been shooting torpedoes, they would have been hit. Ugh. Anyway, well, there are alternative ways to do this, but uh, at the same time, I didn't mind the bombers dropping yeah, bombs it, down. <laughs> because, it, because, it's purely, because it's just purely visual. Everyone understands the stakes there. I mean, they for an example of where... It was. Uh, I, I don't know whether I'm going to defend this or not, but there was a bit in Revenge of the Sith where they screwed this up quite famously, um, where the ship is knocked to one side and everyone falls to that side. And, it, yeah. and it, that is the basis of an action sequence. You know, corridors turn so that the floor is the wall and things like that. And, and of course, you know, the response was like, they're in space. Why would you... So in my beloved novelization of the Revenge of the Sith, he actually changes it so that what's happening is the gravity generators are breaking, and and that's why they're all falling around. Um, it's a great book; it's brilliant. But <laughs> that I don't require that level of of like Star Trek style physics um, in my Star Wars, so I didn't mind the bombs. It's just a visual, I guess. But yeah. I can totally, totally understand why people would uh, call shenanigans on that. Yeah, and. I mean, th th there was a moment where I felt like the, the movie was paced poorly. Where it's like, okay, you have the opening battle, that's fine. But then I feel like, okay, so you open with action, that's what a James Bond movie does. It's like a, a moron's way of attracting attention of the audience. Well, oh, fine, fine. And then, mm -hmm. But then you settle into a movie, establish yeah. the story. That kind of five minutes after that, they have another battle sequence because you have like Finn wakes up and bashes his head. That worked. Then he runs out into a corridor and leaks water. That didn't work. <laughs> but then you have like just a couple of scenes and then another battle. And I felt like that was too early for another action scene. 
Because that right, was like, okay. I'm just exhausted. The movie hasn't even started yet, and we're having another fight scene. But that was, I guess, to establish the the premise for the chase scene, uh, the, sh- the chase uh, thing, because you had the fighters uh, attacking the rebel ship, and then they decide to not use the fighters again for the rest of the movie. <laughs> anyway. It, it, that, this all blew past me completely. Yeah. I think I was just enjoying... Some Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the in the sense of wars in stars, I think. Yeah, I think I was just enjoying the spaceships going pew pew. Yep. <laughs> so you're a fan of Rogue One, then? Well, I did quite enjoy Rogue One, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah I mean, I gotta say, the finale of Rogue One, where all the ships went pew pew and everyone was shooting everyone, I I did enjoy that whole battle sequence more than any of the action in this movie or Force Awakens. <laughs> Really, I can't. I can't remember it well enough, but I do remember it was quite good. Yeah, that was the only thing in the movie that was good, and it was just <laughs> pure Star Wars fan service. Well, now you see that. You see that's the thing. Rogue One um, was it didn't focus on, or it well maybe it tried to, but it failed to make uh, compelling characters the way that Force Awakens did because that's the big success of Force Awakens, right? Yes. It's characters and cast. This the big I would say the big success of this film is how good Mark Hamill is. <laughs> and he's so good that I kind of almost don't care about any other flaws the film might have because it's just such a treasure trove of Mark Hamill. Yeah. I feel <laughs> they sh- really delivered. I was I had this vague concern that like we've been waiting all this time for Luke Skywalker. Is is the is the the Ryan Johnson <clears throat> twist of this film going to be that he doesn't give us much Luke Skywalker. No, he did. He really gave us the Luke Skywalker we wanted and more. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, I wish there'd be more of him. Yeah. In general, this is the longest Star Wars film made by like 30 minutes. Wow. And I feel it's in inefficient in its use of time because it feels like it's not long enough. And I think it's because just little scenes here and there eat into the running time and don't add anything or or just kind of nothing. And I feel like the whole Jedi training and, again, Luke and his backstory and just having him do stuff, there wasn't enough of that in a film that's two and a half hours long. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. Although they they did enough of it to establish that the point is that we're showing you that he does this stuff you know yeah. so i mean a lot more of a lot more of his life would have got kind of tedious right mm, yeah i guess but i feel yeah. in general the the payoff for his story and uh, such i feel like it was he could have just been in the next movie as well might as well but it's, I guess it's not gonna be now so anyway the and again, I just got to the paragraph in my notes where I complained about the the feeling that Force Awakens had kind of a simplistic, thin universe it set up. It felt like it it left a lot of blanks for this movie to fill in that it didn't do. Yeah, and that's why many people just kind of confused me, included at the start of the film, where it's like. <clears throat> Oh, this is it? This is all the only rebels left? And the First Order is winning? It's like, what about the last movie? What about the end of six? Did they win? (laughs) Yeah, there was a... Yeah, there was a... There was a definite feeling during the crawl that we've missed some story. But I don't really mind that because I always get that sense with Star Wars anyway. Yeah, it, it, it... It just made it added to my impression after I watched it that it was it's mm. slapdash. It's the way it's put together. Just little mm-hmm. tweaks in lines here and there. There's, there's so many things that would just have been fixed with another revision of this. Yeah, <laughs> it's that it's uh, they went into production too soon, and uh, that's what makes it harder for me to care about this because I feel like. If more care had gone into the film, it would be worthy of all the attention it's getting. But now, do it's, you not think it is? No, I feel it's a bit like Wonder Woman, where it's it's a movie that feels kind of slapped together in a hurry, and that's why it's gonna be hard to care about, it, especially over the long haul, because 
Uh, I watched, I played stuff like, I don't know, Life is Strange uh, Before the Storm. I finished the last episode of that mm-hmm. uh, when it came out a couple of days ago. And that was a movie, uh, a game where in the last episode, everything was coming <laughs> together in a very good way where it felt like, oh, this is what's carefully plotted out. Yeah. Very, very well thought out arcs and everything. And it just felt like all the so much care went into this that didn't go into The Last Jedi, that when I saw people's tweets about The Last Jedi after finishing Life is Strange Before the Storm, I felt like, who cares about The Last Jedi when it's just slapped together? <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, I didn't get that. But uh, yeah. I guess I have only seen it once. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to see it again. See, what I, something I have to sort of work with is that I love... A lot of films the first time I see them mm. that I then fall away from. Um, I mean, as you know, I loved Man of Steel when I first saw it, and there's no point pretending I didn't. I did, um, and so now with Force Awakens, which I which I loved, um, I've never got through it on Blu-ray. I've never got all the way through. I get bored about halfway through, and I just sort of stop watching it. Um, That's probably how I'd feel rewatching any of the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek movies. Mm. Because they they feel like they're they're intended to be to like wash over you once because there's mm. so many oh, things about that movie where it's like oh this is kind of stupid but uh, don't don't think about that here's something else it's kind of it's it attacks your attention span very effectively <laughs> it keeps your attention by like oh here's something dumb but now we're doing something else so you don't remember what just happened <laughs> yeah so um. So I'll be looking forward to seeing this one again. And I'll try and see it again in the cinema. I haven't seen it in 3D yet. I haven't seen it in IMAX yet. So I'll, I'll try and see it again. Um, but then it will take on a slightly different uh, personality when I watch <clears> it at home. And that's the point at which I'll, I guess I'll confront whether or not how much of my enjoyment of it was an illusion. But at this stage, I think I disagree with you. At this stage, I just thought it was really, really good. And although it had, I'll, you know, I'll agree it had some flaws in it. I genuinely just didn't mind them. Um, the one that I was, mm. the one that I went in expecting was that I had heard that there was an intolerable um, casino scene, and perhaps because I'd heard that, I was, I didn't find it intolerable. You know, I, I guess I was expecting it to be really, really tedious. Um, if I went in not knowing about it, perhaps I would have found it boring. But as it was, I was like, oh, is that is that was that all? Was that it? That was fine. Okay, so. Yeah, it it's more like you look back at it afterwards and it's like, why was this only here so they could have that final shot? But if they could have had that even so, maybe have the final scene that bookends it just be a little bit longer to set up who those people are, then you would have still had the point across or something. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. There's various, there's various different ways it could have been done, um, and I think that the casino bit is probably the bit that I'm going to struggle with the most <clears throat> when I'm watching it at home, and we'll see. But at least I know that after it is a good solid block of stuff I absolutely loved. I really did like. Once it kicks off and you get that second half of the film, oh, I was just on such a ride. I had a very good time. Yeah, and the the, the whole. The whole arc of Finn in the film, Finn and Rose, mm. thinking about how that ends, felt like th- that whole thing should have been redone. Because I feel I've heard people say like, "Oh, this is it's good because it doesn't end the way you expect." But I felt like, yeah, but what's the point of it? I've, I've heard people say, "Oh, it's about failure." Yeah, but what does it say about failure? It's just mm-hmm. they do a bunch of stuff that doesn't work out, and then then what? <laughs> Right. It's just gonna end. It's how I felt about it, and um, yeah, I've heard I've heard something similar. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the the stuff that happens in there, like uh, Captain Phasma shows up, and that's a character where it's like it is just proved that oh, we don't have an idea for Phasma, so let's just kill her off again. <laughs> I don't think she's. I don't. I. I there are multiple people in this who. Um, get into situations where you could say they died and I think they're going to be in the next one. Yeah. There's like three there's like three different characters where if you in the next film went, yeah, that character is dead, 
that would make sense. But I think that they're all going to be in it. Fastbird's going to be the recurring joke character where the joke is that yeah. you, you think that it's a character, but she's not. Just some, someone with, I don't know, 90 <laughs> seconds of total screen time in each film. She shows up, says a one-liner against Finn and then dies again. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I think, I, I think we're, yeah, I think we're seeing her. I think we're going to get something from her next time. We, we must do. Otherwise, it's so odd how maybe it, maybe I've said this before, maybe she is a tribute to Boba Fett. Maybe the point here is to have this helmeted character who they make a big deal out of and then just drop them in a hole and then that's it. But maybe it is. Or maybe she's building up to something. I don't know. Yeah, as it is now, it's like, okay, people who are fans of this character, is this what you wanted? <laughs> Are you happy with this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A writer that I uh, follow on Twitter, Delilah Dawson, has written uh, a novel called Phasma. Mm. And, um, and, and she's really, you know, had a, she's really sort of poured herself into this and, and, you know, she's written it, as far as I can tell, with passion and properly. And it's like a proper book about this character. And it, and it seems like there's a big marketing push behind Phasma. And then they keep forgetting that she's there. Um, I don't see again, but I think this is a, I think this is all a holdover from the J.J. Abrams didn't plan anything problem. Yeah, uh, it, it feels very obvious that this is it, where it's a person was shoved into a room and to was like, okay, write the follow up to this with no, no communication at all with the person who wrote the previous part. It feels like those kinds of school assignments where like. Uh, you have a page that you pass around class and every person writes one sentence and like it's a, supposed to be a continuing story. Yeah. But it is a couple of times. And, you know, of course, the story goes off the rails by the second person and then further goes off the rails with each one. It's just gibberish. It feels a bit like that. <laughs> and... Uh... At the same time, I don't mind that aspect of it. I just feel like okay, I keep getting back to it wasn't he just didn't have time to write, finish it, finish writing. It's uh, right. That's just how it feels to me because so many things I don't mind. I just feel like it with just little tweaks here and there. I would it would have been perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, and in some cases, I feel like they're just changing their minds. And I, that makes me confused about, like, yeah, but it's not a trilogy anymore, is it? Like, people are wondering, like, so what's the third one going to be? There's no setup for the third one. The third one could be anything. Mm. <laughs> and I guess that's a problem of writing each entry as they show up and arbitrarily deciding that it's going to be three films. But it doesn't... Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, we've... Yeah, it's a problem of two directions. It's mm. firstly the fact that it ju it just had to be a trilogy because Star Wars is delivered to us in trilogies, and they're breaking. They're managing to gradually get round that by you know giving us the the other films, but um, uh, of course the next like you know Ryan Johnson is now working on his own Star Wars trilogy, so that that I guess bolsters that. But then we have to admit the other side of it, which is that any problem we have with like this doesn't fit into the structure of a trilogy. What we're saying there is we, we, this doesn't fit into the structure of and then whatever it is we're thinking, the Lord of the Rings trilogy or like whatever trilogy we're thinking of. Twilight, um, the yeah. Maze Runner. <laughs> yeah. I feel like insert any serialized anything with like a, a, an author wrote each entry in this. It's just, there's, there's just a lacking continuity here. Well, yes, but... This, but this always comes up. I mean, there are so many other trilogies where we've had the same discussion. I mean, um, I suppose the one that comes to mind for me is The Hunger Games, where mm. the, the second book is a rewrite of the first book with very slight differences, and then the third book is just completely different. Uh, you know, it, it's quite... Uh, basically, a trilogy... The, a trilogy is nothing. A trilogy is only a marketing tool. And it's... And I like them. And yes. I, I like... I've got one in mind. I want to write a trilogy, but it's just a comfortable shape that we like because we like things to come in threes yeah and and often it is just made arbitrarily like oh i want to write a series of books yeah but you don't have an idea for book one yet you don't know <laughs> yeah. if this is supposed to be a trilogy or not 
<laughs> yeah, and I think there are a lot of uh, trilogies, so-called, that are written in that way. I mean, hmm. the I mean, so for example, you know, the Lord of the Rings. That's one of the key trilogies ever, right? And that that's one book. It's only a trilogy because it wouldn't you couldn't publish a book that long in those days, or at least you couldn't get away with it, you know, uh, publishing wise. Um, and then other ones, you know, you get film trilogies where they know the whole story ahead of time. You get film trilogies where they don't. It's all fairly loose, but we've each individually come up with this idea of what, how, like a, how unified a film series should be. And here's one that isn't. And it just depends on whether or not you're on board with that or not. And I think I am, but obviously I'll have to wait and see what the third film is before I can really decide. Yeah. Because there is, like, some of the thematic stuff people have praised, I can agree with. Like, uh, mm. there, that it is about, um, like tearing down all the old stuff and questioning the f- core ideas of uh, of the world that, that their parents created, etc. And but it almost doesn't feel like it goes far enough with that. It feels like it almost like changes his mind a bit. And of course, the I just remembered the, the way the finale of the film works. Where it's like, oh, we were in a finale, and then we moved to the salt planet because. We moved it, and then we immediately continued the finale. That, that was another issue I had, where it's like, okay, you're here. Ah, uh, so you saw that as a you saw that as a finale that arbitrarily moves in the middle. Yeah, I've I, seen I've seen a lot of people describe that as like you have the finale, and then you could stop the film there, but then they go, no, we're having another big one as well. Yeah, it, it feels like it's there. Like arbitrarily, like just expanding the scope of this, adding a bunch of locations just because it's Star Wars. You have to have a bunch of locations that you go to. Yeah. But, like, but it doesn't fit naturally with this story. It feels like, okay, we fought in space. Let's land here and keep fighting. Because when they go there, they just assess their defense situation for like five minutes and then they fight immediately. It didn't have, like in the beginning of the film, you didn't have like a fight, then the movie starts and establishes what the movie's going to be, be yeah. and then have a fight. Instead, it's like, yeah, the, the fight follows on too quickly directly after they arrive at the planet that it too felt to me like oh, we're just continuing the finale that we just had in space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's something... I wonder if that's because there's something cut there because it was getting too long or something. Yeah, because it's two and a half hours long. It's the longest Star Wars ever by 30 minutes and it just feels yeah. like it's inefficient. Anyway, all the character performances were good. The yeah. actors are still very likable and vivid, etc. Yeah. It's just... Mm, just kind of feels slapped together to me. I wish they would. there'd be three years between each film. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I didn't mind any of the structural stuff because I've I've recognized recently that I have a real weakness for that. I think a lot of people view films structurally speaking and kind of from a reviewer's POV and I just don't. I've kind of tried, but no, I just enjoy whatever's happening at the time. So to me, the fact that essentially the uh, the finale continued after it had finished and we had another one was yet another of the nice surprises I've been talking about. It was just like, mm. oh, great, there's more. So I was happy with it. I don't mind structural <laughs> problems, apparently. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at that point uh, in the film, I didn't... I wasn't really annoyed by it. It just felt like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy to go along with it. I didn't have to go to the bathroom or anything. Do you know what? That's Yes, I was thinking that at the time. I remember going like, I am enjoying this, and that's probably because I don't want to piss. Yeah. <laughs> and if I did, I'd be annoyed. Mm. But I didn't, so it was good. Yeah, and and just looking at the running time of like Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, I feel like this you should be able to sharpen this story somehow and remove thirty minutes and still have it feel very coherent and natural in its pace. There's probably a lot of stuff that could be trimmed here and mm. removed, um, just in- inefficient. Yeah, I suppose so. I'll give yeah. you that. I just want more. I like big long films. I think. Yeah, yeah, and in in general, I feel like because most people now consume films and series on like Netflix and similar, we don't care about running time anymore. 
yeah we're willing to consume like 13 hours of garbage as long as it's in our at our own pace yeah that's it I, I, yeah so films being cut down for time like have a cinema edit because it makes sense with like mm-hmm. a schedule at the cinema but for home viewing Nobody cares. Give us a five-hour edit of the Last Jedi. <laughs> well, that's it. Oh, I'd love that. But I, I think that um, that I think there is somewhere in the future an app that you put on your phone, and it allows you to go to the toilet in the middle of the film while continuing to watch the film at the cinema. I think mm-hmm. that's coming, honestly, because now that films are this long, and they are Star Wars films, Marvel films, they're all hours and hours and hours long. Everyone misses something or sits there holding it and doesn't enjoy the last, I don't know, hour of the film sometimes. Um, that isn't sustainable. And I think that they'll, I think they'll solve it with an app. I really do. Because I'm now like, cause I, I kind of don't mind anymore. I've stopped caring. So I'll just go out and miss a bit of the film. I didn't do that on this occasion, but I did in Force Awakens. And of course, you never know when to go. So the bit that I missed in Force Awakens, the first time I saw it, was the entire, um, um, prophecy scene where you know at Maz Kanata's bar she sees the lightsaber and gets flashbacks and um, a- uh, I, shout out to Maz Kanata for having the worst scene in The Last Jedi <laughs> what's wrong with it so boring I mean oh, I didn't it, mind it. it it was supposed to be oh, it's, it's funny because you've seen a fight scene you know, I just found it tedious I wanted her to get go away you see, I think actually, yeah, I've I've spoken to lots of different people who've all got totally different um, experiences of the same stuff, and honestly, I really think that some part of the success of this film uh, for uh, for an individual viewer is something to do with. Well, I haven't I haven't figured out yet whether it's who you are or whether it's what mood you're in, but th- I've seen people talk about like. So, for example, I found most of the jokes really funny, and I've seen someone say that, like the the um the the reach out scene where Luke says to Ray, "Reach out," and then he's got the big bit of grass. We were roaring in that. We thought it was hilarious. I've seen other people who thought it wasn't. There are whole bits which were to some people like bits of bad storytelling, which to us were great jokes. Um. And I've, one big divide that I've seen is people who want the plot, who want jokes in Star Wars or other big franchises. They want the jokes to be the quips that characters say to each other during a plot which has to be serious. Whereas in this film, there are plot points which are themselves basically jokes, um, like the bit with Snoke, for instance. Um, and if you are on board with laughing at what happens then you enjoy those bits. And if you're not, then you don't. And there's nothing wrong with either of those stances. It's just who you happen to be or what mood you happen to be in at the time. And this, in the case of some films, has very little effect. And, you know, like Force Awakens and Marvel films, films that are carefully honed to appeal to everyone, basically. I think this film is one that's a little bit braver than that and kind of goes, no, we're making this film and some people are going to really like it. And unfortunately, that means that other people are not going to like it. Um, and I happen to be one of the people who really liked it. And I think that's, to me, that, therefore, that's a good thing. But we'll see whether it lasts. We'll see whether I still like it a couple of viewings down the road. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I've heard that, there, you know, it, it, you only have to be... A little bit of a completely unrelated thing. But anyway, it's about the uniqueness of each individual experience. It's... You only have to be like have unique on like six dimensions of your personality to be literally one in a billion, and three of those can be <laughs> like uh, I don't know Swedish male straight. Okay, you have three dimensions of you. Come up with another three things about you that's uh, unique, and now you're like one in a billion. It's about like intersectionality, where it's like it right. does. You you only have to have like six things about you that are unique and you're one in a billion all of a sudden it's like oh seven billion people is a lot less than it sounds like you're probably the only right. person in the world like you there's absolutely nobody else like you so right and that's why like we 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 can all zoom in on different things and i feel yeah. like 
the lapses of logic in the story that's going to bug a certain segment of the audience mm-hmm. and that's going to i guess <clears throat> slightly narrow the appeal of the film or narrow the enjoyment some f- find in it and the style of jokes in this i i don't like the style of jokes in firefly for example i find yes. those really annoying but some people like them and again there it's, you're yeah. narrowing it to a certain bracket really love it another are kind of annoyed by it and this yeah. had a different style of jokes and some of them i don't approve of reach out that was good mm-hmm. the talking with the rebels having a joke conversation with the first order wilder in a fight that annoyed me because yeah. in no other part of star wars have they ever talked to each other during space combat it's always been inevitable where it's like empire rebels we have nothing to talk about we're gonna destroy each other there's like not even a thought of communication yeah whereas here they were gonna talk it out but i'm stalling for time (laughs) well i think (laughs) it was first time i don't mind that because i think i think the point of that was that maybe maybe this is wrong maybe i just filled in too much but i thought mm. that that was um hooks himself being surprised at that like oh wait maybe if they're trying to communicate there is actually something to talk about but i see what you mean yeah it is that's a star trek thing isn't it and uh, yeah and, and it's it, it complicates things because all of a sudden it introduces the possibility that these people can be reasoned with they can actually talk it out but yeah, nowhere yeah. I, in Star Wars didn't... have they ever talked it out. <laughs> well, we genuinely, we genuinely didn't know in any previous Star Wars that you could communicate between two ships like that. No, there's a lot of iron rules in Star Wars, like no talking. And one of my favorite <laughs> details about Star Wars is there's no paintings. Oh, that's something that Star Wars games got direction from from like uh, Lucasfilm, where it's like, oh, really? here's here's the lore bible for like here's our entire sound library, all our music. You have to use all of that for your your games and style guides. Like no paintings, and once you realize yeah. that there's no paintings, you think back and to, to all yeah. Star Wars games and films and realize there's no paintings. <laughs> yeah, there's no paintings at all. You're right. Yeah. I didn't notice it until they mentioned it. <laughs> oh, and I don't think they've broken that yet with the new ones, have no. they? Interesting. Guess the, that's the true jump the shark moment whenever we see a painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mm. screw you. I loved it. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just kind of confused that. Uh, wait a minute. They, they're talking to each other. In yeah. Star Wars. In, in space? <laughs> I'm just. I'm just. I don't. I guess I just fundamentally don't care. Maybe it's because I don't. Maybe it's because I'm not that bothered about Star Wars as a thing. Mm. Um, so if they break the rules, I'm not bothered. I mean, there's a there's a. Uh, we were talking a bit a minute ago about like the mood you happen to be in. There's a yeah. moment um, which we've now got quite deep into spoilers, but I'm still not going to say specifically. But you mm. know the bit I mean. There's a moment with Princess Leia, or rather General Organa. Yeah, and um, that is a bit where it completely depends on if you happen to be in the mood to be on board with it or not. Some people, and I can't argue against this particularly, find it to be absolutely ridiculous. And I just thought it was cool. Yeah, I, I thought, at the time, I thought, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But I've heard every kind of reaction to it. <laughs> and, I know, and I know as well, in my heart of hearts, that the reason I enjoyed it was because... Carrie Fisher has died in real life and this watching this film carries this weight with it you know that they have to deal with this somehow either in this film or the next one so you're going well what are they gonna do and so whenever anything happens that threatens Leia you're like was that it oh is that it and there is this moment where I'm like was that it and because it wasn't I was happy and perhaps if if that if she hadn't been dead in real life, that might not have I might not have had the same reaction. Yeah, and you can't wonder here why. What was the point of her being incapacitated? Because we haven't really established what she's like properly in this in these films. Because her character in the last film was very thin. 
And here there was yeah. get more room for her to do stuff. But yeah. w- why have her been incapacitated? Why couldn't she have been the one to do the uh, suicide mm. run in the end that could have been like a natural out for her character but instead Actually, they introduced someone mm. else to do that <laughs> oh gosh now you might have a point there I'll have to go away and think about it mm. I was discussing it with Jahan yesterday and, and he said that he's seen some people um, say something that uh, that he thinks is basically ridiculous and, uh, and I, I agree although I can see why they would say it, and, and so can he. Which is that the um, the, the the sort of the, the purple hair general lady. Um, there are people out there, believe it or not, who think that that role should have been given to the it's a trap guy. Oh, um, <laughs> um, because they I, he's an established character, and they care about him, and da 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 da. And that... <laughs> they only care about him as a meme. <laughs> Well, exactly. And the thing is, yes, yes, that character could have done that role. Yes, he could. But to the average viewer who doesn't know the meme and doesn't realize that because one random alien said one line once, we're supposed to care who he is or or even know it's the same guy when you see another member of that species or whatever, those normal viewers would have gone, why was so much attention given to that fish? Yeah. So, so no, they couldn't have done that. But yes, it maybe it could have been. I'm struggling to come up with an argument why it couldn't have been Leia. Yeah, just have Leia have, have that role. She she just swap yeah. her out there. <laughs> Digitally replace them in the in a director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be seamless. Yes. <laughs> And dub in and uh, alter the, everyone. Whenever they say names, they change their lips. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't in Zootopia. Well, it's mm. called Zootropolis here, and they didn't reanimate the mouths, even though they're all animated to begin with. Oh. <laughs> and that's that's a Disney film. Yeah. Out of all the, all the money in the world to reanimate the mouths. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Is there, well, there we go. Is there possibly any more we could say about The Last Jedi? Probably. It feels like we could talk about this forever, but I'm kind of, as we're talking, kind of removing paragraphs of my notes just to make mm-hmm. it cleaner. And I'm kind of starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel here where I start, yeah. to start to... And we're back to, like, just the consistency of style that's missing here that was there in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> Oh God! Well, all right, but if they, uh, okay, yes, they were consistent, but I'm not taking that as an excuse. No, they, they were they were pretty awful, but <laughs> they were consistent in style. They had a distinct authorial voice. Oh, I don't care about that. I know a lot of people do. You do, Jahan does, but uh, I I can't be bothered with it. it. I I I agree that it's of interest, but. If something has a distinct authorial voice, but that authorial voice is Michael Bay's Transformers, I take it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm kind of glad that they don't have a distinct authorial voice there. It, it, but it just feels like it, this is not what you expect from Disney. This feels like a well, mistake on their part. They're, they're spending... Yeah. The, the Disney Story Committee is spending too much time trying to salvage the Han Solo film, so they let yeah. this one slide past. <laughs> but I, wa- I want it to be like this. I'm the, I want... See, J.J. Abrams, his Force Awakens is J.J. Is, is Abrams all over. Yep. This has an authorial voice. I want each film to have its own authorial voice, because then you get surprises. You get yeah, they, they leave questions for the next director to solve, and you get to see how that person solves it rather than a committee or... Do you know what I mean? It, it feels less corporate yeah, when and, storytellers are doing this. Yeah, and I'm more confused now why they changed directors for Han Solo because they're clearly yeah. re- letting the directors run wild and do whatever they want. Exactly. So why not do it for the Han Solo film? Exactly, and- exactly. And so, so my concern about J.J. Abrams comes back, which is that that is going to bulldoze that concept. We're going to have the J.J. Abrams authorial voice, then the Ryan Johnson authorial voice. 
And then just J.J. Abrams again. It's going to make it feel like the second film, rather than a an interesting and bold new direction for uh, any series, like let, let's allow people to really put themselves in. It's going to feel like one film was an aberration in the middle of a J.J. Abrams production. And that's I'm not I, I really hope he leaves the project. I yeah. want a different director. Yeah. I don't I almost don't care what different director. Yeah, anyone but him. I agree. Yeah. And and, and uh, because of the little things that made this feel kind of slapped together to me, it just felt like it it's a more definite proof that a Han Solo film is going to suck because yeah. yeah, they are actually just churning these out as fast as possible with no regard to quality to hit arbitrary release dates. and it's gonna be a miracle if han solo standalone film is any good or or i haven't looked at the box office results Mm. but i understand that this one's done well if the concept of allowing if this film does well then they they might take that as a change of direction i think a problem that we're looking at is that because these films are coming out so fast and not just star wars Certainly not just the trilogy Star Wars, but like all the other Star Wars films, all the Marvel films. There are so many of them coming out so fast that every time they hit a successful change in direction, take Wonder Woman, for example, you've all you've got to sit through Justice League. You've got to sit through um, like, you know, whatever else happens to come out before they can course correct based on the success of the one that they actually did well with. And the thing is. For all I know, the box office results of Justice League might be phenomenal. I haven't looked at the numbers. And they might then course correct to that. So then two years down the line, when you think things are finally working out, they nosedive again because they made a decision based on the wrong thing. So you never know. what it, it's, a, it's a system that's sort of silly and doesn't really make any sense artistically. Yeah. And... Yeah, I'm, I'm never gonna watch Justice League. By the way, I, I thought yeah. it was I, I thought it was funny. I looked at like how many showings do they have of Justice League now? And on the Star Wars release day, they had none. They wow. took They removed it, and then kind of on the Thursday, the day after, they added a few more. But on yeah. Star Wars day, there were so many viewings of that film. Like in one theater, the one where me and my brother watched it in, they were showing it forty times that day. I'm in one theater, and it's like okay. I'm not surprised. I mean, you, and you yeah. might as well, mind you, if you were if you were running a cinema, you'd be tempted to do the same thing. Oh, it's Star Wars Day. This is now a Star Wars cinema. Yeah, <laughs> all day, every fifteen minutes, you could go and watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's why we didn't have to reserve tickets to watch it on release day because there was like there were so many showings that anyone could just go there and watch it. <laughs> Brilliant. There was no shortage of, of Star Wars. <laughs> And that was good, because uh, we're not the kind of people who buy tickets months in advance, like some do. Uh, we're the kind of people who, if we can, show up five minutes before the movie starts and just take whatever tickets we can. And we got good ones <laughs> doing that. Great. Oh, well done. Yeah. I'm too I'm too nervous for that. I can't mm. do it. I have to be there long in advance. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> just so, it makes the logistics of like buying tickets and stuff uh, more annoying because we we want to keep it open. It's like, okay, if a friend of ours wants to bail or a friend of ours wants to show up in the last second, they can just do it. It makes no difference. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we have actually made a podcast length episode only about Star Wars The Last Jedi. And uh, I'm I'm not surprised. Yeah, it was a it's it's it was a long podcast. I think there were some structural problems, but overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> I should have done a few more revisions to my notes. <laughs> Maybe I should have consulted with the the previous podcaster. <laughs> nah, screw that guy. Yeah. Anyway, 